This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Monday, April 11th. The regular season is over. The play-in tournament and the playoffs are just ahead, and we will have playoff previews coming up this week on the podcast. More to come on that. But today, we're going to do some season in review and look at the players who finished as first-round values in fantasy this year and whether we trust them to be first-round guys as we get into next year. We also have another of Dr. A's Tales from the Attic coming up. And speaking of which... Steve Alexander is here with me today. Steve, what's new? You got your NBC Sports Edge hat on. You're you're ready. Uh, you look ready for action today. Oh man, I've, I had a great week. I went I went to Augusta. Went to the to the Masters oh. on Wednesday. My first time ever on the grounds. Uh, it was incredible. Amazing. And everything was going swimmingly until Luca got hurt in the third quarter on Sunday Sunday night. What turned out to be a meaningless basketball game because the Warriors Jeez. won. So a little worried about that. Left calf strain. There is optimism, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, that he did not suffer a, quote, significant injury. But, uh, yeah, still sounds bad. Left the game, didn't return, obviously. Could have been precautionary, but a uh, little little scary, Steve. A little scary for you and Mavs fans everywhere. Yes. All right. Uh, so, as I said, we have a Tales from the Attic coming up, at, uh, one of Dr. A's sneaker stories from yesteryear. But first, we're going to do a little season in review here. We're going to go through the fantasy first round, and Steve... This is on a per-game basis, okay? We're not doing total value here. We're doing the top 12 based on averages. And uh, we're going to break down who we think we can trust moving into next year and who we can't and where we might draft these guys. And number one, at the top, it's uh, we start with an easy one. Let's just put it that way. Nikola Jokic was the number one player for the second year in a row, around 27 points per game, 13.7 boards, nearly eight assists, a steal and a half, almost a block, 1.33s, great percentages, High turnovers, but that's a recurring theme here among these guys. High turnovers. So, Steve, you only just turned twenty-seven in February. This is is as much of a no-brainer as we could possibly have, right? It seems that way. And what what I like most about him is everything he does. He makes it seem so effortless. Like yeah, like the word athleticism doesn't really come to mind when you think about Jokic, but he's the best player in the league. I mean, I I don't know if he's the best player in the league, but he's he's the most consistent just dominant force there is so yeah he he should be going number one yeah i mean again rounding up 27 points 14 rebounds and eight assists i mean steals blocks threes there's really nothing other than turnovers to criticize in that stat line so yeah it's easy it's easy at the top of drafts you don't have you won't have a decision to make but after this i think it's pretty wide open steve so we're going to go through where guys finished and it gets interesting and stays interesting from here because on a per game basis Kevin Durant was the number two player this year the averages were almost 30 points per game seven and a half rebounds six and a half assists almost a steal and a block with a couple of threes again great percentages 52 from the field 91 from the line three and a half turnovers but Steve as we know he missed 27 games he'll be 34 at the start of next season so taking those two big factors into account I see him as a definite fantasy first rounder next year but 
I don't think I can take him at the to- at top half of drafts, just given the age and the injury history. Where, where are you with KD? Will you take him in the first round, like later in the first round? I might, but I just have trust trust issues with old guys, as as yeah. everybody knows. I don't like drafting old guys. You you can see right. by looking at Kevin Durant's hair and hairline that he is an older gentleman. And he's unreliable at this point. You don't know how often he's going to be hurt or show up to play and and whatnot. So, I I mean, I'm probably not going to be drafting KD anywhere. That's the argument against. The argument for is that, and I can say as someone who just lost a fantasy championship to a team that had Kevin Durant, he was healthy and putting up huge numbers at the right time. Even though he missed those games, you had him back at the right time. So, I mean... Production-wise, even at age 34, I think we both agree, Steve, he's going to be a top 10 fantasy player most likely next year in terms of raw numbers. So you just kind of have to, and it's true for a lot of these guys, you just have to, what is your risk tolerance? How how willing are you to roll the dice? Because, and by the way, Steve, as for old guys, by my math, five of the top 12 were over, are 30 or over now at this point. So certainly it, it still can be done in terms of first round value North of 30, and there's more to come on that. But first, we're going to go to the number three guy, Joel Embiid. Finished with 30.6 points per game, 11.7 rebounds, 4.2 assists, 1.1 steals, 1.5 blocks. He played 68 games this year, Steve, which, believe it or not, is a career high. (laughs) So, um, look, we know the risk in terms of injuries. It's the only time he's ever played more than 65 games. He just turned 28. Where are you on Embiid? Because it's kind of a similar story to Durant, but a different story in terms of his age. So are you betting against the mileage catching up to him? And would you take him with a top five fantasy pick next year? Because I think that's what it's going to take. It's tough because I've I've never, I don't think I've ever had Joel Embiid on any fantasy team I've ever had. And congrats to him for making it through 68 games. I mean, that's kind of a, that's a big deal. Like we've always said, if he can just play in like 70 games. Yeah it would all be good because a lot of, a lot of people who won their fantasy leagues probably had Joel Embiid on their team. Uh, I'm not opposed to drafting Embiid, but man, I I just, I think when you're spending your first pick, it's so important that that guy plays a lot of games. If he doesn't play games, you're, you're done. And you know, a lot of people drafted Zion Williamson high this year and that didn't work out very well. Right. I'm probably not, drafting Joel Embiid next year, but I wouldn't say never. I wouldn't say I I absolutely would not do it. If we could shake hands right now, I extend my hand and I say 68 games. I promise you 68 games of Embiid. I think in that scenario, I would take him in the top five if if I knew I was getting that again, but we don't know that. I mean, so yeah, for me, it's tough. I'll think about it. I've been fading him like you for years, but this is the, this is the first year that it truly, truly burned us in fantasy. I think to fade him. So I think I'm willing to roll the dice next year uh, around number five if he's there, but I, I won't feel great about it. I'll be scared. I'll be very nervous about it. Yeah, I would be too. So seeing like our 30 team league, like right. if you get the number five pick in that league, do you really want to no. bet the whole farm on Joel Embiid's ability to play 68 games again? No way. I'm taking a guy who was more durable and was a slightly later round value, you know, like, you know, Towns or something like that would be a name I, I would be more inclined to take in a league with that much at risk, a 30-team league. 
Anyways, let's move to number four. LeBron James finishes number four player. He flirted with number one for a while. 30.3 points, 8.2 rebounds, 6.2 assists, 1.3 steals, 1.1 blocks, 2.93 pointers for LeBron this year. Played in just 56 games, a recurring theme here. You know, same story as Durant, really. Maybe even more pronounced because LeBron turns 38 in December. So, Steve, we faded him this year. You know, the, the games played thing did come back to be a big problem, but... Let's say for me personally, I think if I'm drafting 12th in a 12-team league, I got to at least think about it if LeBron's still there and I'm making him, you know, one of the first two guys I get back to back. But earlier than that, I think I'm out. Where are you right now on LeBron as we kind of are in the immediate aftermath of this season? Well, the good news is he's trying to break Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's scoring record. He uh, wants to play with with his son. He is the best old guy we've ever seen play basketball. Like it's unbelievable, but you know, the, the game count being in the fifties is exactly why we were so scared of him coming in. And I don't know that, I don't know that that's gonna, I can't do it, man. I I can't do it. I have (laughs) trouble taking guys that are over 30, let alone guys that are 40 years old. I mean, he's, he's pushing it. I mean, if I had to guess, you know, if I had to set an over-under on games played, I would probably put it at like 61 next year, right? But it is LeBron James. I mean, wouldn't we wouldn't put it past him at all to play 75 games next year, Steve, just because this guy has continually just defied age and all that. But I would be more inclined to say, yeah, if you, if you draft him, you should assume he's going to miss 20-plus games and uh, plan accordingly. It sounds like the, the top 12 outside of Yukola – uh, Nikola Jokic is, yeah. is going to be that way because I know you're going to throw some Steph Curry at me. You're going to throw some James Harden at me, probably. And yeah, um, it's a mind. It's an absolute minefield. And I think when we get further down toward the seven to ten range, I think you and I have to talk about moving those guys up just because of the stability factor. Let's start with number five on a per game basis. Again, it was Kyrie Irving, Steve, uh, in the games that he played this year. 27.4 points, 4.3 rebounds, 5.8 dimes, 1.4 steals, 0.8, 0.6 blocks, 3.43s. Now, the vaccine mandate obviously is in the rearview mirror. So he is a first round fantasy guy when he plays. Like that's been the case in recent years. But we almost forgot about it because of how much time he missed this year due to the New York City mandate. But before all of that, Kyrie was one of the bigger injury risks in fantasy. And so now he's on the north side of 30. And this is one where I can pretty confidently say I can't imagine myself taking him with like a top eight or top 10 pick, even though when he plays, he's he's going to be a guy who produces numbers better than that. So where are you on Kyrie? I, I feel like I know, but I just want to hear it. Well, you forgot to mention that you never know. You never know what he's going to do or say or whatever um, next and all of that combined together just makes for a pretty unstable fantasy situation. So the cool thing about Kyrie this year, though, is when he did play, he was so rested and so in a good space. Like he was just going nuts. And as we've talked about here, you know, he single handedly took me out, took my really a great team of mine out. And, uh, I was in first place the entire year, and then Kyrie Irving came and just destroyed all my dreams. So, but yeah, man, I, how many games did he play this year, Matt? Do you know? Was it 29? Less than 30 games. And next year, 
you know that Kyrie was like, man, that worked out really well for me not playing very much because when I did play, I was so good. So okay. I could see him taking one game off a week next year. You know, I, I'm not doing it. 29. Yeah, I don't want him to be the best player on my fantasy team. I'm going to let him be the best player on someone else's fantasy team. Plain and simple. This, this one I'm out in the first round, even though, again, when he plays, he is going to give you first-round numbers. Number six on a per-game basis was Steph Curry, Steve, around 25.5 points, 5.2 rebounds, 6.3 assists, 1.3 steals, 4.53 pointers. And on this one, I think there's two ways to look at this. On the one hand, he's 34, and he was injured when it mattered most for our fantasy teams. On the other hand, he was quite durable and looking great until a freak injury caused by Marcus Smart diving on the floor, you know, injured his foot. It's not like... Oh, it was a wear and tear injury, Steve. You know, he's old and his his you know muscles gave out or something like that. I mean, this was a freak injury where a dude dove into him. So, I mean, Steph was pretty trustworthy other than that. That can happen to anyone, right? So, for me, I'm looking at this guy as someone who's aging pretty gracefully. And, and I think, yes, I will take Steph around the middle of the first round in fantasy drafts. Where are you? Yeah, Matt, he just feels different than the other guys we've talked about. The image I have in my head is Steph Curry out there uh, running the floor and shooting threes, not sitting on the sidelines in street clothes. And it was a freak injury. I don't, I feel like he's a young 34, you know? Yes. I'm really not scared to draft Steph Curry. I would actually do it. I agree. And by the way, I'm just looking back to remind myself. Yeah. I mean, basically, the last two in significant injuries that he's missed a lot of time with were Aaron Baines crashing into him, right? And breaking his hand or wrist or whichever one it was. I can't remember. And then this Marcus Smart thing, like he hasn't been breaking down and, you know, mileage wise. So I think we're both in there and uh, Steve, that's midway through the first round. So six down, six named go plus some names who just missed. But first we're going to take a quick break. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. To move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. We have a special programming note for our listeners. Friday, we're teaming up with our Edge betting crew to preview the NBA playoffs. Steve, Dr. A, Raph, Raphael Johnson, and myself will join host Corey Parson to break down every aspect of the postseason. So tune in at our usual noon Eastern time on the NBC Sports Edge YouTube or Twitch channels to watch live 
Or, of course, you can always check out the audio version in the Round Boss 2 or Bet the Edge podcast feed. Also want to remind you to download the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet and enter this week's free NBA Pick and Roll contest for a chance to win $50,000 twice this week. This week, we're highlighting the play-in games between the Hawks and the Hornets, the Spurs, and the Pelicans. So if you don't have the Predictor app yet, download it now. All right, Steve, you ready for number seven? This is where I guess things were already interesting, but but more intrigue here. And, and I think we're kind of getting to the point where we might start to move some of these guys up because the durability concerns are less. So I want to take you to number seven. It's a guy by the name of DeJounte Murray, Steve. Ooh. Breakout campaign saw him average around 21 points, eight rebounds, nine assists, two steals, 1.43s, 25 years old, made the leap. I mean, Steve, for me, this one requires very little thought. Yes, I will absolutely take him the first round. Definite top. Can you even get him at seven in drafts next season, Steve? What do you think? I think he'll be there at seven. Okay. I think he'll go between seven and 12. But then again, it depends on how much hype us and everybody else gives him prior to to the drafts actually getting here but man what a season DeJounte Murray had he's so good um who thought that a Popovich player was capable of such (laughs) such things and you know I was watching him last night play the Mavericks and he's he's just so smooth and so long and he's he's perfect man I love DeJounte Murray and no durability issues there. I mean, he's a young buck. He's ready to go. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I feel a lot more confident drafting him than almost any of the guys we talked about not named Jokic. I feel great about this one. And, and I do think, I mean, I don't know how much higher his ceiling is, but I, I don't know that we've seen it yet. Let's just put it that way. So I think we've already seen him finish top seven. As I said, he's just 25. So this is easily a guy who could become a top five fantasy guy. I mean, he's got the, the skill like, set. I feel like he was missing a triple-double by like one stat. over yeah. like Every week, it seemed like he would have a 28, 9, and 10 game. Yeah. So we're on board there. It's another no-brainer. It's maybe – it's one. I mean, we've had so much – so many guys with questions around them. We don't have those for DeJounte Murray right now as the season wraps up. Number eight on a per-game basis was Carl Anthony Towns, Steve. 24.6 points per game, almost 10 rebounds, three and a half assists, a steal, block, two threes. You know, we had a couple shaky Carl Anthony Towns years there, Steve, but it feels like he's back in the circle of trust. Are you there? <laughs> the circle of trust. Yeah, it, I, I feel good about Carl Anthony Towns. I was glad to see him play in so many games this year and, and yeah, play 74. so well. Um, I feel like this was the year he finally did what we've been wanting him to do for all these years. And I, I think he's had some good seasons before yes. as well, but it, it had been a minute since you could really trust him. I'm, I'm exactly on the same page as you. I would not hesitate to take Cat extra. And I, I will take him as early as four or five, I think. He could get that high on my board just because of the, the reliability. You're getting a surefire first-round guy, maybe – the ceiling is a tiny bit lower than some of the guys ahead of him, but the durability, again, 74 games played this year. Age is still very much in his favor. He's 26, so he, he could get into my top five easily just because of the durability. Yeah, I was thinking three. I, I mean, I'm not going to look at you strangely if you take him third in a fantasy draft. I'm, yeah. I'm good with it. Okay. I would also take this guy in the top three, by the way. Even though he didn't finish there on a per-game basis, that's Giannis Antetokounmpo. 30 points per game, rounding up, 11.6 rebounds, almost six assists, 1.1 steals, 1.4 blocks, 1.1 threes. He did miss 15 games, Steve, but 
again, I just think these counting stats are so dominant. And yes, the free throw percentage isn't great, but it's better than it was. You know, improved this year. You could easily, he was at 72.2%. You could easily see him improving that even more because the stroke looks a lot better. So yeah, 15 missed games isn't great, but I, I would feel pretty good about Giannis in the top five. His knees make me nervous for some reason. I just feel yeah, I understand like that. It's yet to really raise its head. Like he hasn't had a big injury, but it seems like his knees are always hurting and aching. Makes me a little nervous. I'm not saying I wouldn't. I wouldn't draft him. The free throw percentage is bad, but it it shouldn't kill your entire team if you have decent shooters around him. It's not like he's shooting it as bad as like Shaquille O'Neal did back in the day, right? But man, he does have those, you know, four for 13 games or whatever. And that always leaves a mark. But um, a lot of people are mad that that Giannis isn't higher, high, more highly spoke of in the MVP race. But I, I just don't think he really compares to Jokic. I, I think Jokic is just better. But yeah, I'm good with drafting Giannis. Number 10, Steve, I, I'm eager to hear your reaction on this one. It's Anthony Davis. Believe it or not, when he did play, he was a top 10 fantasy guy. 22.6 points, 9.6 rebounds, 3.0 assists, 1.2 steals, 2.2 blocks. He only played 41 games. So obviously, if we were doing totals, this would look a lot different. And this was a big letdown season in terms of games missed. But again, on a per-game basis, still a top 10 fantasy player. He's 29. Well, let's say you're drafting in a 12-team league. It's the number 12 pick rolls around. Anthony Davis is still there, so I'm telling you he can be the second best player on your team. Are you willing to bet on a bounce back? I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'd probably roll the dice on him and take him, but I wouldn't feel good about it. And really, I remember so vividly, like 10 years ago, I was backstage at the Variety Playhouse with Doug March from Built to Spill, and we both there's a picture of us both on our MacBooks, and it's before his show comes on, and we're, we're drafting our team in Stephen Malkmus's Fantasy Basketball League. And I had the number three pick, and I took Anthony Davis. I don't know what year this was, but I took Anthony Davis. And he was going, like, between 10 and 15 back then, I think. Uh -huh. But I was like, I'm reaching for AD. He's going to be money. And that was an absolute disaster that season. He missed a bunch of games. My team stunk. And at that point, I was pretty much like, I'm never doing that again. And, and I really, I don't think I have taken him uh, maybe, maybe once since then, but I'd rather not, man. I would rather find someone else to take. In fact, I can guarantee you I'm taking Luca and Trey Young at 11 and 12 if they're there instead of I'm not messing with Anthony Davis. Yeah, it's gotten a little it's gotten a little scary in terms of durability. He played back to back 75 games in 2016-17 and 2017-18 in the four seasons since. 56 games played, 62 games played, 36 games played, and 40 games played. Oh, 40, 41. Okay. Basketball Monster and Basketball Reference are disagreeing. I'm going with Basketball Reference 40 games played uh for AD this year. So, obviously a downward trend there. You really got to ask yourself how risk averse you are. Again, if, if you're telling me he's the second best player on my team, I might be willing to take that swing in some leagues next year. It's certainly not going to be something I do in every league. And I'm, again, not going to feel great about it. And I would rather take the next guy on our list, Steve, and that's Trey Young, who is 11th on a per-game basis, 28.4 points per game, 3.7 rebounds, 9.7 assists, a steal, 3.1 threes. Got his field goal percentage all the way up to 46, 90.4 from the line, and four turnovers per game. Obviously, the turnovers are high, but 
most of the guys in the top 12 are high turnover guys. Steve, will you be, I don't even think you'll be able to get Trey Young at 11 next year, right? Probably not. Probably with all these guys we're talking about, like, again, I'm bumping Trey up to like four, four or five, somewhere in there. Yeah. The free throw shooting is amazing. The numbers are great. He doesn't miss many games. Nope. You can count on him and he's probably going to keep getting better for another year or two. Yeah. 20, again, 28 and a half points, almost 10 assists, led the NBA in total points and assists. Yeah, I agree. Top five, top six, I think, is where you're going to have to bump him because of the durability. And, the he, you know, we saw him. He was a guy who was already getting drafted in the first round before he was putting up first-round fantasy numbers, and now we are seeing him do it. He's done it for a full season, so I think he could only potentially go up from here. Very different story, Steve, with the number 12 guy. James Harden averaged... 22 points per game, 7.7 rebounds, 10.3 assists, 1.3 steals, 0.6 blocks, 2.33 pointers. But 41% from the field, Steve, is the second lowest of his career, second only to his rookie year in Oklahoma City. 33% on threes is the worst of his career. He turns 33 this summer. I mean, maybe I'm building a narrative in my head, but those are starting to feel like red flags. You know, the age and uh, big decline in, in shooting. I mean, I would rather, for example, take Jason Tatum, who ranked 13th on a per-game basis, than Harden, just for starters. Where are you on Harden as a guy who barely hung on to first-round value this year and, in theory, could be declining? Just hamstrings, groins, calves. I mean, it just feels like he's always going to be banged up from here on in. So it's weird because it it seemed like that happened fast. He used to be super reliable yeah. and didn't really miss games, and now I don't feel like I can trust him. So... I'm probably not messing with James Harden. Yeah, it's going to be the first year in a long time where we may be seeing James Harden not being a first-round fantasy pick, where he falls into the second round. Maybe I'm looking at this wrong. Maybe people see it differently, but I think we are potentially facing that possibility, Steve. Yeah, I, I agree. And the whole Tyrese Maxey thing is is interesting, too, because I really thought Harden was going to hurt Tyrese Maxey, but Maxey held his own. And with Maxey and Joel Embiid there, Harden doesn't need to do as much as he might if he were the the lone yeah. star on the team, you know? Let's talk about if you guys who just missed. Jason Tatum, as I said, was 13th on a per-game basis. I don't think either of us would quibble with taking him toward the latter half of the first round, right? No issues there? I'd rather have somebody else, but yes, Tatum works. Tatum was very good this year. Fred Van Vliet was 14th. Some durability concerns popped up with him, but I think you probably can get him early in the second round and probably feel pretty good about it. Paul George was 15th. Obviously, we know injuries are kind of taking over a little bit there. The Time Lord, Robert Williams, was 16th. Uh, Jimmy Butler was 17th when he played. So, I don't know. No no real surprises there, Steve. No real, I don't think, we're not really pushing any of those guys too far into the first round. I want to get your thoughts, though, on your guy, Luca, who was 28th on a per-game basis, but obviously a lot of that comes from the free throws. The 74.4% from the line, which I think won me a jersey, right? Well, we can talk more about that later. Mm, but, I was hoping you forgot about that. What What are your thoughts on Luca and where you'd take him knowing that Basketball Monster is going to be telling you you don't have a first-round guy, but you know everything other than free throws and turnovers tells you you do so what do you do with luca in fantasy how early do we take him man i just i just did something and i i'm excited to tell you about this because it okay. i find it incredibly revealing maybe interesting it, it's cool mm -hmm. you're not going to like it but if you click on punt free throws yeah 
you don't have to mess with turnovers. You don't have to mess with anything else. Right. Just punting free throws. It drops Trey Young down to 44, and it puts Luka up to 12. Interesting. And, and that's because Trey Young shoots 90, and yeah. Luka shoots 74. And, I mean, it makes sense. But I, that's why I don't think you can read too much into – got to go with with what your gut tells you. And wh- what my gut tells me and what my head tells me is that team I had this year where I drafted Luka and LaMelo – uh, one and two, and then had Jared Allen and and uh, Miles Turner. Like that team was basically unbeatable. And yeah, we mm-hmm. we weren't very good at free throw shooting, and our turnovers were through the roof. But I mean, I just killed everybody in assists, rebounds, points, ev- everything, uh, every week. And that's why, yeah, free throw is it's only one category. Scoring is only one category. Yada yada yada. But you you take one of those categories out, and it can really change up the entire universe as far as how you look at a guy. So yeah, I will be still drafting Luka Doncic at the very first chance I get. Uh, I'm not going to mess around and and wait until round two to get him. I'm just not going to do it. Well, and I think he's probably a first rounder in most leagues is my guess, even though, you know, the ranking systems tell us he shouldn't be. I think to your point, free throws actually are a, a very easy category to punt. So, I mean, if you build your team the right way, I think you can make Luca into one of the very best fantasy players, one of the one of the most valuable, and you can make a case for him absolutely going the first round. But I think you just got to build your team accordingly. And this also tells you that if you draft Trey Young, you need to build around him with free throw shooters. You don't want to waste that because it's right. a huge chunk of why he's valuable. Yeah. I mean, the 28 points per game in tennis assists don't hurt either. But yes, point taken. He's not... Points, assists, and threes and free throws are where he really pops as a player. And so, yeah, it, it's, it's a reminder just to, uh, which some, sometimes I don't think we do it, Steve. I think we just like, oh, this guy's good. This guy's good. This guy's good. Uh, we could all probably be a little more careful in how we build our teams. Uh, probably, yeah. I know I could. <laughs> you know how I roll, yeah. man. I just show up on draft night and just start drafting guys I like. Yeah, you have a couple sodas and uh, suddenly your strategy probably gets a little more reckless. Um. The one other guy I want to mention is a guy you already mentioned, Steve, LaMelo Ball. I think this is a guy who I could easily see making a DeJounte Murray-esque leap into consensus, no doubt, first-round value. He was already a first-rounder for a long stretch of this year. I think he finished 21st overall, according to basketballmonster.com. And to me, Steve, I mean, near the end of the first round, if if some of my favorite targets are gone and I'm choosing between LaMelo and an old guy with some injury concerns... I'm going to go with LaMelo. I mean, I again, I think this is a guy who you can make a case for him near the end of the first round. What are your thoughts there? No arguments here, man. I, especially the first half of the season, he was yeah. on fire. I don't know. I remember last at the very beginning of this year, sometime, I was like, man, LaMelo could average a triple-double, and everybody like laughed at me. And, and he didn't yeah. really come that close to averaging a triple-double. But, I mean, he... He's got it in. What was he at? Like 26, 7, and 6 or something? Yeah, he finished at 20.1 points per game, 6.7 rebounds, 7.6 assists, 1.6 steals, and 2.93s. And That's pretty good. He's young, by the way. He's, he's Is he 20 still? I'm going to double-check that. But yeah, with the, the other debate we were having with Lamelo was, I think you said he could flirt with a triple-double. And we yeah. got into an interpretation of what does it mean to flirt with a triple-double. Yeah, he's 20 still. So... Anyways, but yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't change 
that draft I had last year, I, I wouldn't change it. I, I would take LaMelo and Luca with, I think I, I was picking on the turn, right? And I, so I think mm-hmm. my 12 and 13 picks were Luca and LaMelo, maybe. That was fun. And I, I would do it again. Although I, I may go, I'd probably go Luca and DeJounte. That's fun too. Or I might go Trey and Luca. I don't know. It's all fun. I don't know that that's going to work at the turn of a draft this year, though, but we'll see. Yeah, I like the fact that Luca's 28 in the rankings because that gives him a chance to drop a little. But, you know, if if I'm drafting uh, anywhere near Brian Rosenworcel, he's going to he's going to yank the right pull the football away as I'm getting ready to kick it anyway. So it doesn't really matter. Right. And Luca, because of his real life value, is a guy who. Or because of the fantasy workaround you have with punting free throws is a guy who will get drafted in the first round likely anyways. And people kind of look past that season-long value in nine-category leagues. All right. Well, Steve, that's our uh, that's our first round in review. I was thinking maybe next week we should do the second round in review if you're up for it. Then we'll kind of have the top 25 in review. Oh, not, not a bad idea. Yeah, because I, w- I would like – I think to me the second round of guys is a little more interesting than the first round because you've got younger, healthier options – for some of it, uh, right. there's some other guys in there, but I'm really interested to talk about like where are you drafting Tyrese Halliburton next year? Mm-hmm. Where are you drafting Darius Garland? Yeah, um, who also had a breakout season. So yeah, yeah, I think we should do that next week. I'm really looking forward to this Friday playoff preview show we're going to do. That should be that should be pretty fun. Yeah, no doubt. So we'll do that next week. And again, as you said, that is coming up on Friday and. Right now, if you're listening on the podcast, it is time for the latest edition of Tales from the Attic. It's a trip down basketball's memory lane with me and Steve, one of Steve's wild, very memorable sneaker stories. So for those of you on the podcast, that is coming your way right now. Okay, it's time for another one of Dr. A's Tales from the Attic. And for this one, we are going to go back to February 11th in a year I like to call 1984. This is at Market Square Arena in Indianapolis, and we are going to pick this thing up with a shoe-crazed Steve Alexander and one of the Pacers' best players at the time. By the way, a pretty good fantasy player if you happen to have been playing fantasy hoops back in 84. That would be one Herb Williams. Steve, where does this story go from here with you and Herb Williams? Well, Matt, this this story has a lot of moving parts, a lot of pieces, a lot of stuff that would never happen in today's world. And also one of the few times that my shoe acceptance was predetermined and pre-scheduled by Herb Williams himself. Okay. There was a group of us. I like to call us the shoe kids. Um, Herb knew each of us and we were always bugging him, bugging him after the game for his shoes. And he's like, man, let's organize this. He's like, you get them after the next game. And then it's your turn. Then it's your turn. I was third on the list. And in my night was February 11th of 1984. So I was fired up that night. So there's a collection of shoe kids. Did you guys like each other? Did you hate each other? Were there rivalries in between this this small group of kids who, can we say, stalked NBA players for their shoes? <laughs> there were three of us, the core members. There were okay. three of us. And then there were some drifters on the outskirts that we didn't really we didn't really associate with. Okay. But but Joey was my my rival. He, and I was always jealous of Joey because while I have Dominique Wilkins and Wayman Tisdale and Daryl Dawkins and <laughs> Clyde Drexler nice. and Isaiah Thomas. Like I've got Hall of Famers. This kid had Michael Jordan shoes. He had Dr. J's, Magic Johnson's, Larry Bird's, you name it. A star, superstar from the 80s. Wow. Joey had it. But it, it was respect. And Joey taught me the shoe game. And 
Yeah, I was just a little jealous of it, but I always liked him. Joey was a heavy hitter. I mean, let's just face it. You were kind of learning your way, and Joey was already there. Even though he was like eight years old, yes. <laughs> he was a lot He was a lot younger and a lot cuter than I was. I was like that okay. uh, awkward adolescence, you know, turning in from a change from a boy to a man this kid was straight up boy and uh and he he knew how to work how to work it so anyway okay. it's my night and i'm standing outside the locker room in market square arena because back then you could do just that you there were no security guards there was no sure. barriers you just went right to the <laughs> locker room and chilled out an hour after the game no big deal and there's a big wooden door that a the, the actual police officer that was there, he would open and close this big, heavy sliding door when it was time for a player to come in or out. And uh, the door led to the locker room. Anyway, I'm sitting there waiting for Herb and Herb never comes out. So there's a couple pacer stragglers left in there. One of them comes out. I'm like, have you seen Herb Williams? Uh, he was supposed to give me his shoes. tonight. he's like, oh, yeah, man. Uh, I think I saw him head upstairs to the bar slash restaurant. Uh, you might be able to catch him there. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I've never been up there. So get on the elevator and aim for the very top of Market Square Arena. So we know that it's an hour after the game. We know that you are older than eight years old because you're older than Joey. But just how old are you, Steve? And just what time of night is it that you're just kind of cruising around Market Square Arena, getting ready to go to a bar? I mean, what what is going on here? How old are you and what time is it? Man, I'm probably right around 16 years old. I, I don't okay. think I could drive at that point, but it, it's in that somewhere in that all right timeline, somewhere in that zone. And I'm, I, I mean, I'm not close to being 21 years old. I have no idea where my parents are, <laughs> and who knows? They're probably outside. Like, I think if I was waiting for my kid and it was dark and I was parked outside Mark Square Arena, I'd be like, this is kind of dicey. I'm a little nervous right now. Hopefully right. he comes out of there. So anyway, I <laughs> go up to this woman who's like wiping down a table or something because the place is clearly closed at this hour. And I said, you seen Herb Williams? And she's like, is that him at the bar? And I'm like, yes. So I approach Herb. I'm like, hey, Herb. He's like, hey, man. And I said, shoes? I thought it was my night. He's like, yeah, I got you. And he reaches into his pocket, Matt, and pulls out his car keys. His what? whole keychain hands it to me, describes the location of his truck in the garage of Mark Square Arena, and tells me to go get the shoes out of his truck and bring him his keys back. Wow. See, this is just, I, I have trouble wrapping my head around this. Like, this is a lot of trust. Were you a, a particularly trustworthy looking kid, would you say? I mean, why in the world would he hand you his keys? Is this just a 1984 thing, or is this like a your disarming thing or Herb Williams is excessively trusting or all of the above. I think it's a combination of Herb was really cool. Herb knew he knew I was, he knew I was going to bring his, bring his, because look, I mean, if you you're, you're angling for a pair of shoes, you just upgraded to a truck, Steve, in some ways, you know what I mean? So the temptation, yeah, you can't drive yet. You don't know how to drive a truck, but I, I mean, you have to, you know, have a little temptation to try maybe. You know, I think the kids at school would have given me a little more street cred had I walked in the next day going, instead of saying, hey, I've got this 
these terrible, ridiculous looking shoes from Herb Williams. Yeah. Like, hey, I got Herb Williams' truck out of the parking lot. Like I that would have been it. a lot. I stole it. Story. Go look in the parking lot. I stole Herb Williams' truck. Go look I'm at it before they come take me to jail. Yeah, uh, the story would have taken a very dark turn had you stolen his truck. Okay, carry on. So the story ends. I, I get down to the the truck and pull pull these bad yeah, boys man. out of the back. I don't even know what these are made of, Matt. Okay, it's so not, they're, they're Converse. They're Converse. It's not, it's not canvas. It's it's not rubber. It's like mesh, meshy right. stuff. Some Converse and uh, carry these back to the bar. Make my way back up the elevator. Give Herb his keys back and tell him thank you. He signs them, sends me on my my way into my my mother's waiting uh, minivan to take me home in, and uh, that's the Herb Williams story. And if you were listening on the podcast, hope you enjoyed that. Make sure you check that out, and more tales from the attic are coming your way soon. That is going to do it for us on this episode. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a minute to rate and review us as well. We're back here on Wednesday, where I'm sure we will talk some play-in tournament. And on Friday, it's that full playoff preview coming your way with the Bet the Edge crew. I want to say thanks to everyone for listening and watching live, Steve. Thank you to you, sir. I will uh, talk to you soon. See ya. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.